Hey everybody, this is Kimia. And I'm Sean. And you're listening to Content and Coffee. Alrighty, this is episode five, and we're going to be talking about top mistakes we see businesses make. I'm really excited to dive into this with Sean. Sean, what are we gonna what are we gonna break this down into? Well, Kimia, what we're going to start with is talking about high-level mistakes we see business make, and then we're going to go into some specifics. And I think a lot of the specifics stem from the high level, so it's a great place to start. And our first topic on our agenda here is short-term thinking. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool to kind of anal- uh, analyze the the high level versus the focused because the focus is going to give people some actionable advice, and the high-level stuff is going to give people the mentality to move forward in their business to allow for those focused things to not happen more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with the short-term thinking though, I think that is definitely the biggest high-level mistake people make. So a lot of, you actually brought this up uh, before we started recording, but a lot of people treat their business as a freelancer rather than a real business. Absolutely. And yeah, just take a step back. I mean, both Kimi and I talk to so many small, medium, and large business owners that we see these same mistakes, you know, done again and again. And like Kimi was saying, short-term thinking is the number one most pervasive mistake that we have both seen in businesses. And basically, when we say if a business owner looks at their operation as a one-man freelancer operation, you know, this is common with small business owners like real estate agents, mortgage brokers, financial advisors that kind of just are often a one-person team, they will almost never spend money and make an investment that doesn't pay for itself in month one or month two. And what they don't understand is that if you look at any big business, when you look at ROI, return on investment, you're looking at it like at a bare minimum over six months and usually over one or two years. So small business owners are so afraid to lose a little bit of cash in the short term that they never invest in the things that are actually going to pay off in the long term. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I think a, I think a really obvious example tying this back to us so, so the listeners can understand is can you imagine if you ran every single pay-per-click campaign and you built all the websites yourself? There's no way you could scale. And the same goes for, for me for writing all the content that goes to creates. There's no way that we could get over five clients. Like, just if we don't hire for those key roles to be able to scale out, there's there's no way we could grow past a past a small business. I think uh, I think coining the well, I don't know if this is coining the term, but we could look at it as the entrepreneurship hurdle, and that's that's them not being able to hire for tasks that don't do the day-to-day things so that they can focus on the high-level stuff. And you, what was your quote that you said that, that is a, a clear identifier? If you're asking yourself this, you should be looking to hire for this? Yeah. So before we started recording here, a huge red flag for me when I'm talking to a business owner that reveals to me right away, this person does not have a long-term business mindset is I will come to them and talk about a service that we offer. It might be website building, digital marketing, and they'll say, oh, why can't I do this myself? And the reason why that's a red flag for me is because my answer is usually the same. Like, well, technically you can. It's not rocket science, but you know, how much do you value your time? I mean, we're an expert at this, and what is going to take you four hours, we can do in 45 minutes. And you're, you're going to overall have more time to invest in other things. 
And the problem is a lot of people, and again, this is a pervasive problem in the way humans think, is they don't value their own time. So they will rather spend four hours doing something than spend $100 to have someone else do that same task in one hour. And what they don't realize is, you know, they say to themselves, um, I can save money by doing this myself, but they're not, that money is not free. They're trading away four hours for, you know, $100 or whatever it is. So by not valuing their time, it's never going to allow them to actually scale up and focus on the more highly leveraged things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I, we've, heard, we've heard that so much with, why, uh, why can't I do this myself? And I, and I say, obviously you can, but how, how long has it taken? Like, you know the problem exists. You know you need, we'll tie this back to ghost it. You know you need content marketing. You know you need a, a regular blog. You know you need to post on Facebook. But it's been six months. So why haven't you done it? Right? Mm-hmm. I, think another, I think another big high-level high level mistake that we see businesses make is they really don't take the time to build their brand. It's very rare that you're the only one in your space, right? There are, there are other content marketing companies. There are other digital agencies. It, it, is, it is almost never the case that you are alone in the space and you have to stand out in some capacity. And usually that boils down to building your brand. It is, it is a real competitive differentiator. Look at uh, Coca-Cola, right? Huge, huge, huge brand. Uh, you know, you could even you could even take Ghosted for example. We're we try and brand ourselves as fun, not too serious, but very good at what we do. And I I think people not investing in building their brand, and honestly, it can just be the style of post that you post to Facebook, uh, how often you're blogging, the type of copy that you're putting forward. Uh, it, it really matters in the long term because it acts as a competitive differentiator. Hmm. And, you know, I would also add to that, that it's generally speaking, the only way to actually scale long term, because we live in the information age and anyone else can learn how to do what you're doing, regardless of what it is. Um, You know, if Ghostit creates content, another company can learn how to do that. So how do you create a barrier to entry in your industry and how do you protect your market share? There has to be a reason they're choosing you over all the other similar businesses. Um, You know, I was listening to a really cool interview recently with Russell Brunson, the co-founder of ClickFunnels, which is a company that built landing pages and enables small businesses to use these landing pages. And they went from $0 of revenue to $100 million of revenue in three years. And the person interviewing him was asking, like, how do you stop all these cheaper players coming into the market? Because there's a ton of people you can use for landing pages. And ClickFunnels charges anywhere from $100 to $300 a month. And what Russell said is that we created a movement around our business and our landing pages. And what he did was he coined this term funnel hacker and would send every, every customer a t-shirt. So it became this community and this movement around ultimately a fairly unoriginal business idea. He built a landing page business in a sea full of other landing page businesses. But he has emerged successful because he had the long-term vision, he scaled up, and he built a rock-solid brand. Yeah, I think that's a great example. And obviously, the classic one is uh, Warren Buffett, right? The building moats are looking for competitive moats around your company that make it very hard for other companies to come into, into the space. Uh, Peter Thiel, in Zero to One, he talks about trying to be a monopoly, but disguising yourself as not a monopoly. And I think a, a really good example of that is Google, right? They say they're not a monopoly in advertising, but it is, it is unarguable that they're an adver- they're, um 
they're a monopoly in search, right? It's like, I don't actually know the percentage, but it's unbelievably high. And they've obviously built a great brand around themselves, but even, even smaller, right? Like I'm a big fan of naked and famous jeans. I like the quality. I think they're, they're priced kind of expensive, but it's, it's rare that once I've, I've found something that I like, I will switch away because of that branding. I, it, the branding does play, play big into it. And, you know, mm-hmm. I like... Just to, yeah, to interject really quickly for Google, um, you know, obviously Google now is this, like, owns half the internet pretty much. But it wasn't always like that. There was a time when Google and Yahoo were fighting neck and neck for market share. And Yahoo's branding wasn't very good. Their search engine homepage was cluttered with all these advertisements and top 10 list of that. And this celebrity did this. And Google was... Google's branding from the beginning was sleek and extremely simple. All it was was the word Google and the search bar. And then that branding allowed them to now, you know, dominate the market share completely. Absolutely. So let's let's switch gears a little bit and give give the listeners something that they can do in the interim, in the short term, after they think about these high-level things. So just as a recap, uh, the short-term thinking is a huge, huge mistake that we see businesses make, that you don't value your time. So you don't hire someone that will help you scale. Uh, we'll call that the entrepreneurship hurdle. If you find yourself asking, why can't I do this myself? It's usually a sign that you should hire for that, right? And obviously you need to build your brand. And that is a, that is a huge competitive differentiator that will allow you as a high level uh, key point to continue scaling long-term. So Sean, what, uh, what are we going to talk about for focus things that people can do right now? Got a few things on the list here, but the first one I want to touch on is not having a website that is mobile device optimized. So this is low-hanging fruit in 2017, going into 2018 here. A lot old websites were built just for desktop computers, and they did not display properly on cell phones, on tablets, etc. And people don't know this, but 60%, so over half of all web traffic is from mobile devices. So you, if you had to choose one to optimize for, the phone or the desktop, you should actually choose the phone. And this is shocking to a lot of people because common sense tells us that websites are viewed on computers, not phones, but the numbers don't lie. And the takeaway here is that your website needs to be mobile device responsive. And what that means is that when it's viewed on a phone, the text, the images, the boxes, everything displays properly within the screen size, so you're not having to scroll left and right because it's really unprofessional to have to scroll left and right. And if it's not mobile device optimized, people will go on the website and within a couple of seconds just leave because they don't have the patience for that. It's amazing how many websites I see are not mobile optimized. It blows, it blows my mind. Um, the, the second point that I'll, that I'll mention is making it hard for your users to opt into your service or buy from you. So uh, no lead capture is the technical term on this, but if you don't have a way, so a general rule, a good rule of thumb is if you're on a website or if you're, if you're looking at your own website, you should be no more than one scroll or two clicks away from a sign up, a call to action or buying a product. I think that's a really good, good way to think about it. So make sure you're, you're thinking about that two click, but not having a lead capture on your page. So making sure that, or if you don't have something that allows people to input their name, their email, some way for you to then reach out to them, you are, you are crippling yourself. And we see that all the time. Take a blog page, for an example. So many businesses don't have a simple email collection box at the bottom. And that is a huge mistake. 
Yeah, I see that as well. You have to ask yourself, what was the point of the website in the first place? It was to get business. And then like they build the whole website and forget to add the part where that business might actually you know, come through. So it's kind of ironic when someone spends all this time building a website, but there's no easy way for the, their potential client or customer to reach out. So it's really important on every page of the website or only one click away, it's very easy for anyone to say, you know, contact me now, sign up, download a trial, whatever that thing that you want your client to do has to be very easy to do. Um, business owners often overestimate the attention spans of people. It's People are not going to read every word on your website. They're going to be browsing around. You're going to have 10 seconds of their time. And if you aren't able to capture that business as a lead in that, then you're just going to be leaving a lot of money on the table. Absolutely. And another thing kind of along that, uh, along that attention span as well is I have seen so many uh, websites where the copy is too vague. Like software as a, uh, software as a service is especially guilty of this, where they'll, they'll say something along the lines of, we optimize your day or optimize your sales or improve X or, or do, do something. And you look at it and you don't understand what they're doing. Like, what does optimize your day actually mean? Uh, if you look at, if you show your website, I should say, if you show your website to 10 people and they don't tell you exactly what you think you do, you should revisit your website copy. So I do this exercise for Ghosted quite a bit. On the homepage, it says, are you tired of writing emails, Facebook pages, or Facebook posts, and blog posts, right? Ghostit creates and automates that for you. That is a pretty obvious call to action. And I've done this. I've asked people, what does Ghostit do? What do we do? And they say, oh, you write email, Facebook posts, and uh, blog posts. And I'm like, yes, amazing. So I would encourage all the listeners to do that with their website, show it to a bunch of different people, and say, what do you think we do? Totally agree. And I just advise people to keep it simple. People try to make things more complicated than they are. Just in very simple terms, explain the core thing that your business does and people will appreciate that. I couldn't agree more on that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as your key takeaways for the focused uh, portion of of what you can do to fix those top mistakes that we see, make sure that you have lead captures on your website. Absolutely make sure that your website is mobile optimized because six, like as Sean said, 60% of web traffic now is from mobile and that number is going to increase as well. And make sure that your website copy, so the text on your website is obvious. So show it to a bunch of people, say, what do you think we do? And then make sure that that reflects exactly what you do. Make it simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. People have short attention spans. They're busy. You want to make sure that they get the message right away. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And uh, I'll do a quick high-level takeaway here. Uh, Kimia, you mentioned the entrepreneurship hurdle, and I never explicitly said what this entrepreneurship hurdle was, and it's a concept I really like to delve into. So entrepreneurship hurdle is the idea that things might get a tiny bit worse. You might lose a little bit of money in order to get over that hump and scale a business upward. So it's kind of the cultivation of short-term thinking, not valuing your own time, and not building your brand. At some point, you're going to have to go from a one or two person team. You're going to have to think long term. You're going to have to hire people to do the tasks and pay those people. So you have time to focus on building the brand, building long term strategy. And over the period of one, two and three months, your financial statements might get a little bit worse. But then over the next five years, they're going to get much, much better. 
So from a high level, everything we've talked about is about helping businesses go from that freelancer just starting out super small business, mom and pop kind of mentality to getting over the the entrepreneur's hurdle and actually scaling up to a medium, large and profitable automated machine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a I think that's a great way to put it. Awesome. Well, Kimi, I think that covers everything we wanted to go over in this episode. I believe so. Great. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Once again, we're happy to share some knowledge and give you guys as much value as we can each Monday. So until next time, we'll see you later. All right, guys, take care.